Amen. Well, friends, uh, you may know that over the past few weeks, uh, past five weeks or so, uh, we have been uh, we we have had a uh, Nexus intern. Nexus is a network of churches through the Korean United Methodist Church that supports uh, uh, Korean United Korean American United Methodist pastors. And part of this internship is to help people uh, discern their call into ministry. And so our intern is Kevin Hong, and Kevin uh, has come to us by way of San Diego, but he goes to school in Boston at Northeastern University. He's going into his fourth year, and Kevin uh, is discerning his call into ministry. And part of that internship is to experience the, the full range of ministry. And hey, Preaching is part of the full range of ministry. And so Kevin will be preaching for us today. And I just wanted to say, uh, it's been a delight uh, getting to know Kevin. Uh, Kevin has been our intern, but he has also been living in our home. Uh, he's been staying in our basement. And uh, I've, I've had many, many opportunities to talk to Kevin and to get to know him. And it's been a delight. Uh, actually, next this is his last full week. Next Sunday is his last Sunday with us. And uh, so we've really enjoyed having Kevin here, and uh, I really want to encourage you to pray for him and to encourage him. And so without further ado, why don't we just give a warm hand of welcome to Kevin Holm. Hello. Is this on? Yeah? No? Yes? Okay. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, yeah, like Pastor Steve mentioned, um, my name is Kevin. For those of you who don't know me, um, I'm from San Diego. Uh, and I've been here for like five weeks. Um, man, you guys are so blessed with trees. Like, not even joking. Like, Pastor Steve, like, takes me to Gallup Park, like, every day. And man, it's like... <laughs> I don't know. It's so beautiful. Like, if you go to San Diego, like, the only nature that you see is, like, little brown bushes. That's, like, everything. But, man, like, you guys are blessed with trees. Well, anyways, um, I don't really know that much about the Bible. Probably not more than a lot of you guys. Um, so the sermon today is kind of more uh, story-based. So I'll just tell you guys a story. Um, but before we begin, um, I'd like to open us with a word of prayer. <laughs> God, thank you uh, for who you are. Um, thank you that you are here and that you are present. Um, God, I'm, I'm so nervous right now. Um, but God, I pray that you may have your way today. Um, may you speak um, the words that you want to speak to your people today. And may we give all this time to you. Uh, be with us and help us to open our senses to your presence. Um, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, um, I'm going to be reading a lot from my laptop, so I'll try to make eye contact, but we'll see what happens. So, I have a very cl close friend of mine. Um, we go to the same school in Boston right now. Um, let's give him an arbit arbitrary name. Um, we'll name him Max. Um, I've known this guy since early elementary school, and we grew up in San Diego together, and our parents were really close, so that's kind of how we got to know each other. Um, but in elementary school, I didn't really talk to him, but in starting in middle school, uh, we went to the same school, 
So from then on, um, our relationship grew. Um, Max and I were in a group of friends, um, me, Max, and then four other guys, so six guys in total. And like, we were like a squad. And like, we thought we were like super cool and like nobody could mess with us, like cool Asian boys. And then as we entered middle school, this was kind of an era where like all of us started getting into K-pop for the first time. This is when like DVSK and like Big Bang were like getting really big. And then obviously like the group of like sixth graders were like, bro, we can totally be our own boy band. And then like, I don't know. Yeah, we were like pretty arrogant about that. And like skinny jeans were starting to become a thing. And like, it was like a whole mess. Um, but yeah, our friendship continued to flourish um, like that. We always had each other's backs and we were like ride or die homies. Um, we were so ride or die that one of the guys in our group, um, we'll call him Will. Um, Will was actually a grade above the rest of us, but he decided to like get held back a grade just so that he could be with us. <laughs> so he repeated seventh grade just so that he could be in our class. And that's like how ride or die we were. <laughs> so yeah, um, things like that happened and we just got really close, the six of us. And as we moved on from middle school to high school, um, we had a pretty daunting realization that we weren't really that cool. And our version of like an awesome Friday night was like to go home and get online and play online chess with each other. And that was like a super lit Friday. And like while people at our school were like partying and like going out to places, like we were like eating tacos and we sometimes we'd like even like get together in one place and like play chess in person and we'd be like, oh my god, like this is so wild. And like, yeah. Well, anyways. Oh, it's already up there. So that's the six of us. Um, I wanted to keep it anonymous, so I put emojis <laughs> on their faces. Uh, for some reason, I wasn't here for this picture. I forgot why I wasn't here, but they were homey enough to Photoshop me in on the right. <laughs> um, so yeah, as you could probably see, um, we had like no girls in our little group of friends, and we ended up having this like unspoken rule that we'd like be just the boys. And yeah, as we continue to bond like that, um, we developed like a really tight friendship. Um, it was extremely pure, um, no drama, no pain, um, just bros being bros. And within that group of guys, um, three of us were particularly close, uh, me, Max, and then the guy that got held back, his name is Will, or we'll call him Will. And our parents, or the three of us, our parents were friends, so we could see each other all the time, um, we would hang out outside of school on the weekends, and we even went to the same church. And um, the three of us had a really uh, strange, but also one of the closest relationships um, we've ever had. Um, and usually, in like a squad of three friends, there's always that one guy that like like is the weakest, and like the two people like gain up on this one guy and like roast him like completely. So like that's kind of how that one guy was Max, and like. Man, like, we roasted him, like, no tomorrow. And, like, we had some pretty demeaning nicknames for him, um, which I'm not going to name for the sake of decency. Um, and, yeah, but surprisingly enough, uh, Max took all of that in like a champ, and he was laughing about it all the way through. Um, it was all fun and games. And at the time, it felt like the taming of, like, our savage tongues towards Max. Like, it didn't apply because we were best friends. And... Best friends are supposed to have no filter. And like that's kind of what I thought boys did. So it didn't occur to me that um, my tongue was being uh, toxic. And fast forward a couple of years, 
Um, now I'm off to college in Boston, um, but I'm going to college with Max. And I was actually really excited because I knew college was going to be super fun. Um, just like middle school and high school, I had Max with me, and like we were going to be the bros, except now in Boston, and like we were going to play chess online with the rest of the bros every once in a while. Um, it was going to be great. And the first month in college, we actually meet another friend. Um, we'll call her Sally. And she was like a bro from day one. Um, the three of us, Max, me, Max, and Sally, um, started to spend a lot of time with each other. And yeah, now I, was a, now I was super stoked for the rest of college because not only was our bro kingdom expanding, but now it was co-ed. And like, <laughs> we were like ready to do everything together. And like, we felt like we could conquer the world. And yeah, our, our, the friendship between the three of us flourished, me, Max, and Sally. And um, one day, uh, this is still first semester of freshman year, I hit up Max and I was like, hey man, I'm hungry, let's go eat food. And then, notice like, I didn't ask him a question, like, I just said, let's go eat food. I didn't say, do you want to go eat food? Because I always knew that Max was down and he was always down to eat food and hang out with me. And as I was about to tell him that I was craving pho, um, Max says, nah, sorry man, I'm kind of busy tonight. And I was like, like, excuse me. <laughs> Max was never too busy. Like, he was always down to do stuff. So I was like, okay, uh, what are you busy with? And he's like, uh, nothing. Just a bunch of homework to catch up on. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll see you later. So that day I go outside. I'm still craving pho, so I'm walking to this pho place. And then out in the corner of my eye, way across the street, I see two people. And it's Max and Sally, and they were, they were going somewhere. And from far away, I could like see their body language, and they were like kind of being a little flirty. So I was like, oh, what the? And then that's when I knew like Max and Sally didn't see each other as bros. And I was like, yeah. And like a part of me was like feeling a little betrayed, you know? So that happened. And then as freshman year went on, um, things like this continued to happen. Um, when the three of us would hang out, um, Max and Sally would kind of like go off into their little corner and like take photos and giggle and whatever. And the thing about taking photos, like, like sometimes you ask for like an ugly picture and then there are some people who like, they will deliver. Like they, they will give you an ugly picture when you ask for an ugly picture and like, I like commend them. But then there are those people, you're like ugly picture and all they do is like, and I'm just like, bro, do you know what ugly means? Like, what is that? So anyways, like, the thing, the photos that they were taking, they were like kind of those type of photos. And they were like laughing hysterically, like it was like the funniest thing in the world. But I was like looking at those photos, I'm like, dude, it's not even funny. Like, you guys are just in love, like in my head. So, yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, things like this continue to happen. Um, the two of them started ghosting me a little bit. Um, trying to get some time just between the two of them. And I think they were at least trying to be discreet about it because they didn't know that I knew that they kind of liked each other. But it was a little obvious because the time that the three of us would hang out like drastically decreased. And every time we did hang out with the three of us, um, I just began feeling a little awkward because I knew in the back of my head that sometimes they were just waiting for me to leave um, so that they could be alone. And Slowly over time, um, someone who was once my best friend since middle school um, began feeling like a stranger. 
And now with that loss of familiarity, um, I began to resent him. And thinking about all the times that Max lied to me about not being able to hang out or not being able to grab food, um, yeah, it, it got me fuming. And um, in such a short time, um, my old love for Max so quickly turned into hatred. So freshman year soon came to a close. Um, we're headed back to San Diego for the summer. And coming straight out of that um, difficult, lonely freshman year, uh, my heart was far from at peace. Um, all the high school bros were now back together in San Diego uh, for the summer, but even in the company of my best childhood friends, um, my heart of hatred for Max um, wouldn't go away. And I saw everyone reuniting and having a good time and you know, talking with Max like nothing ever happened. And my heart fumed even more because I was the only one who knew about how Max treated me that past year. And my tongue was itching to start a fire because that was the only justice that I could think of. And I felt like my voice had to be heard. And a few weeks into the summer, um, I'm hanging out with Will, um, also my best friend. Um, and we ended up talking, and this was my chance. Like, I had to relieve that itch in my tongue. Um, so it was that day. Um, now, I think it's really important that people have those people that you trust, that you can talk about your issues with, and really have a time of healing with. Um, but this was totally different. Um, the whole time I was talking with Will, all I was doing was bashing on Max and bringing out only toxicity and badmouth all the things that he's um, done to me the past year. And all my uncontrolled anger and hatred had been spewed out onto Will that day. And my tongue just wouldn't stop. Um, it really was a restless evil full of deadly poison. And it set on fire the entire course of life and was set on fire by hell. And James chapter 3 couldn't describe that better. Um, and ever since that day, uh, Max, Will, and I, who were once three best friends, um, we've never been the same. Um, every time the three of us would come together over the summer, um, it would be dead silent. Um, there was an uncomfortable distance between Max and me and Will. Uh, not because Max and Will, um, and not, not like anything happened between them two, but simply because my tongue started a small fire and it immediately blew up into a disaster. And to this day, um, this is something that I deeply regret and I'm extremely shameful of. Um, here I am in Ann Arbor, Michigan, you know, being part of this awesome LGM community, training under um, the amazing Pastor Steve, um, learning to become a pastor, like giving this sermon in front of all you guys, and yet I can't even love my best friend. You know, like, what is that? How do I heal from that? How do I heal from that? A couple of years after freshman year of college, um, things began to reside a little bit. The tension between me and Max um, wasn't as apparent anymore. And honestly, if someone were to look at us from the outside, they wouldn't think that anything was wrong. Um, we would laugh together, we would hang out together, and things would seem pretty normal. And after so much talking smack about Max in the past to people like Will, um, I felt disgusting. 
and I needed to, quote unquote, brush my teeth. And so I cleaned up all my words, um, took all the pain in my heart, shoved it into a corner, and I smiled with pearly white teeth. And I brushed my teeth and scrubbed off all the dirty stuff in my mouth, and I eventually convinced myself that I accomplished the goal of James chapter 3 of taming the tongue. And it felt like my teeth were clean now. But let's take a look back at scripture um, in verse 2. It says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. And I think James makes it pretty clear here that the only people who can truly bridle their tongues are perfect people. But it's also pretty clear in the Bible that none of us are perfect. So, what is that saying? That none of us can bridle our tongues? Now, if that's the case, then how are we supposed to live out um, James chapter 3 if it's seemingly impossible? The passage goes on in verse 11 and 12. Um, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I was talking to Pastor Steve the other day about this verse, and he brought up something really interesting that I couldn't really shake off. And he said, when was the last time that we saw a spring or a well in Scripture? And that leads us to John chapter 4. And John chapter 4 is the story about Jesus and the woman at the well. Um, for those of you who might not know the story, um, the woman who's at the well had a very dark and sinful life, and it's one that she didn't want to expose to anyone. I chose this picture because I was looking for pictures of women at the well, and all the pictures were like, like good-looking Jesus, and then like the, the woman at the well was like going like this and like smiling. But like this was the, one of the only pictures that I found where I feel like it accurately, depict, accurately depicts how the woman is feeling. And, yeah, this woman has had a dark past. She doesn't want anyone to know. And this woman comes to this well in the scorching heat in the middle of the day. She doesn't come in the morning because she knows that's when everyone else is going to go to the well. And she doesn't want to see people because she doesn't want to bump into anyone that can judge and, and expose her life. And she's running away from the darkness that's inside of her. And later... Uh, Jesus tells this woman um, about a type of water that will allow her to never thirst. And that's talking about Jesus, of course. And the woman responds, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And through that, you can tell that she's desperate for healing. Um, Just like how I was desperate for healing with Max. And Interestingly enough, the first thing that Jesus says to her is, go, call your husband and come here. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And from here, um, Jesus points out to her that, yes, she doesn't have a husband right now, and that she has had five husbands before, and the man that she's with now isn't even her husband. And Jesus knew about this all this time, but now he's finally getting her to admit it. Why doesn't Jesus answer her question? 
but instead he brings up her past sin. Um, healing doesn't start from cleaning. Healing starts from admitting. And that's the first step. And we can't expect to have bridal tongues um, just by furiously brushing our teeth when there's a deeper issue and pain inside of us that's causing the source of our very being to be dirty. Um, we can't really brush our teeth and expect all our problems to go away. And we have to learn to admit that. Going back to the passage in James, um, James really goes at it in this chapter because he knows just how dirty and destructive the tongue can be. Um, verse 6, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. If we want to heal from a tongue that's as destructive as this passage describes, um, we have to change the source of our very being. And the source that Jesus talks about in John chapter 4, the water that will never make us thirst. And for me, I didn't have that source. Um, my source was just the past pain that I had with Max. And the fact is that it doesn't end with all flowers and unicorns. Um, I'm still dealing with this issue to this day. And I think that's the reality behind the book of James. Um, this thing that we call our walks with God, a lot of the time it's not going to look pretty. And it says in verse 6 that the tongue sets on fire the entire course of life. And if we go to the next slide. Um, in the literal Greek, this translates to wheel of life or wheel of birth. And I think what that means is that this fire that is caused by our tongues is an endless cycle. And if this fire is an endless cycle, then we can't expect the solution to be a one-time thing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, like I said before, I'm from Southern California, and it's a great, awesome place to live. Um, there's really nice beaches, and it's just really chill there. Um, but one of the dangers of living in Southern California is the wildfires. And in 2017 alone, there were over 7,000 wildfires in California. And that's, to put that into perspective, that's about a fifth to a quarter of all 50 states combined. And the thing about wildfires is that it has no one-step solution to stop all wildfires. It's something that firefighters have to deal with every time that one comes up. And yes, there are preventative measures to decrease that number of wildfires, um, but ultimately, it's an ongoing cycle that California has to go through every year. And that's the thing about our tongues, too. It sets on fire the entire course of life, the entire wheel of birth. And so we must put out the fire over and over and over again. Um, not by frantically brushing our teeth and cleaning the outside. You know, I tried that method, and it, it really does not work. Um, but by renewing the very source of our souls to that of Christ. And what that means is to first admit 
and say, God, I have this issue that's causing me to say all sorts of things that are not from you, um, and not hiding it from God. And the next step, as boring and cliche as it may sound, um, it is to pray. It says in verse 9 that um, with our tongues we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Pray that God will give you the eyes to see people in the way that he sees them. And pray blessing over them. Even if you hate their guts, now that's the step that we have to be willing to take if we want anything out of James chapter 3. Every time that anger, that pain, and the dark memories, um, they come up again over and over. Um, Pray blessing on the people that you hate over and over and over again. And like I said before, um, the solution to taming the tongue is not a one-time thing, but a continual cycle. You know, as is really anything that we try to become more like Christ, um, taming the tongue, um, impartiality, which Pastor Steve talked about a couple weeks ago, um, reconciliation with people. All these things are continual processes that we must be willing to do every moment of every day. And when we're exposed to this endless cycle of renewing and renewing again um, of our hearts, God will change your heart in whatever timing he sees fit. A a couple of months ago, um, I think it was in April, um, I was having a one-on-one conversation with Max for the first time in forever. And as we were talking, we ended up on the topic of how our faiths have been through the past couple of years in college. And he just began laying everything down. And he told me like how hard these past couple of years have been and um, just how guilty he felt. And, and um, just showing up to church uh, was so difficult for him because he felt so insufficient as a Christian and as a person. And when he shared that, my heart all of a sudden broke for this guy, um, this guy that I hated. Um, it felt like I really loved this guy for the, f- for the first time in years. And at that moment, I could see Max through the lens of the gospel and through the eyes of God. And I just loved on him that day. Um, I guess... I could call the praise team up now. feels like the right thing to do. Um, I truly believe that the work of the Holy Spirit, like that, the thing that happened with me and Max, the conversation that we had, that was the work of the Holy Spirit. And I seriously could not have mustered enough willpower to love this guy like I did that day. And I truly believe that God heard my prayers, you know, Um, Those desperate, bitter, angry prayers of blessing that I prayed over Max that I was so reluctant to do, um, God somehow used those to slowly but surely change my heart. And I'll admit right now, um, it's still so hard for me to tame my tongue and to admit my fault and to pray for people that I don't want to pray for. Um, But I'm here today to assure all of you that it's worth it. 
And I think one of the wondrous things about how God works in our lives is that we get to experience the entire range of His love. Um, we get to experience the love of God through a deep love that we have for our family members and people that are dear to us. But we also get to experience the love of God through a love that we can have for our enemies. And we're not just limited to one type of love, but we get to experience the entire scope of how God loves His people. And we get to do that right here um, on earth, right now. And hallelujah, praise God for that. Um, you know, when Jesus was being uh, crucified on the cross, um, he prayed for the soldiers that were, that were killing him, that were humiliating him. And obviously, Jesus already had a perfect love. But man, even Jesus, like, he prayed for his enemies. How much more should we? So yeah, I encourage you guys to continue to go through that endless cycle of, yes, you feel pain, but admit that you do and just pray. Pray for your enemies. Pray for the people that you hate. And eventually, but surely, God will come through. Um, like he did for me with Max. I never thought that that would heal, ever. Um, and it's not fully healed now, but he is in operation. God is in operation. God is sovereign. And yeah, praise God that it is in the work of the Spirit and not by our own hands. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you um, that you are a God of love. Even though our hearts, our tongues can be so toxic, can be so uh, filled with dirt, um, so filled with um, just gunk. Um, God, we thank you that you are able to cleanse us. That even in this rebuke of the book of James, um, God, um, the gospel is still there. God, you are still there. And God, you are there to transform us. God, may we be willing to admit our faults, admit the gunk that we have in our hearts, um, and truly have that cycle of admitting and praying over and over again, God, in expectation and in, in joy that you will work and you will have your way. God, allow us to experience that full scope of love, not just for the people that are dear to us, but God, for the people that we despise. For that is the type of God that you are. And God, we thank you because this is not a thing that we'll ex only experience in heaven, but God, your kingdom is to come here on earth right now. And God, we just pray for you to move in that way. God, be with us um, as we contemplate on this and as we give you worship, God. Be with us, God. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's rise for worship.